Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a very unique show today. I've been waiting for this show for a number of weeks. Everybody at Dotcom Magazine knows that we love interviewing entrepreneurs that have a specialty, entrepreneurs that are at the top of their game, entrepreneurs that are really leading the charge in their specific space. And I've been able to invite a very interesting person on the show today. His name is Mr. Byron Boston. And Byron is the co-owner of Plet Training. And it's very interesting. It's a professional law enforcement training business that Byron has put together. He's got great background and experience uh, serving with the Dallas Police Department for 20 years before retiring. When you see him, you'll think that, you know, there's no way he worked for 20 years on a, uh, at the law enforcement uh, department in Dallas because he looks so young, but it's because he's got that great energy. But anyway, without further ado, let's get to the show. Byron, welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Hey, glad to have you. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be a part of this, this awesome program. I'm so happy you're on the show. Everybody knows that we support law enforcement. We're big time law enforcement proponents at Dotcom Magazine. We really believe that, you know, uh, a good law enforcement is very, very uh, important and imperative for our society. And, and you do such a great job, but let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet, Byron, and tell us about PLET training. So professional law enforcement training uh, was started back in 2008 with my wife and myself as a single instructor. I developed a passion for training while working at the Dallas Police Department. And when I created a, a training course that I taught in-house for Dallas police officers, I saw the, the value that other officers were was able to take away from that training. So it was something that I was really passionate about. And I uh, thought that it was something that other officers in the state of Texas could benefit from. So I started reading some business books and um, developed professional law enforcement training 2008. And from there, uh, we've grown to one of the largest private training law enforcement companies in the United States. Um, you know, we have about 42 different instructors. We run about 300 different uh, training classes per year. So it was one of those things where, you know, I just put my passion uh, to what I really saw my long-term future as being and, and really uh, made a dedicated effort to, to grow that business. Byron, I love it. And of course, you and your wife, Sabrina, founded the Professional Law Enforcement Training 
you know, I spoke with you last week. You were in Chicago and you keep traveling everywhere. I mean, your entire team travels all over the country. I mean, you're in high demand by police departments throughout the country. I mean, you, you, the results are just outstanding. I mean, like you said, you've got so many professional instructors now. You started with you and your wife and you built this amazing business. It's a great entrepreneurial story. What is it about Platt? What, what has it been that's allowed you to grow so significantly? Is it just the fact that you know your stuff or is it the fact that you understand the needs of the various police departments or both? I definitely think it's a combination of both, but I really believe our growth was a result of uh, information I read in, in a book by uh, Mark Cuban, How to Win at the Sport of uh, Business. And in that, in that particular book, he talked about sweat equity, um, not going out looking for business loans and things like that. So I was very fortunate to grow the business debt-free. And by, by growing it debt-free, it allowed us to take calculated risk. And, you know, if, if an idea that we had didn't work, it was a little annoying, but there was no financial burdens that, that were a result of that. So I think, uh, you know, really putting in that sweat equity and, understanding the needs of the officers and then making the business bigger than myself as an instructor. So really seeking out law enforcement professionals that have expertise in different fields that I don't have that expertise in. And that's what has really, I think, allowed us to grow to the level that we're at now uh, because we've sought out so many different experts um, in the different law enforcement fields that we are, we are in high demand across all law enforcement disciplines. I love it, Byron. Of course, you retired in 2017. You know, the majority of your career was done in an undercover capacity, working in, and targeting the most violent drug dealers in the city that you serve. When law enforcement agencies reach out to Platt and they say, hey, Byron, we want, we've heard about your training. We need it. You know, how fast can you get here? What are the areas that they're mostly interested in having you come to train their officers in? So it's a, it's a combination. There's officers and agencies that need narcotic-related training. So, for instance, we, we signed an agreement with Chicago PD where we spent quite a bit of time this year, and they are, they are overrun with gangs and narcotics. So with Chicago PD, we are really emphasizing the, the narcotic uh, training courses as well as our gang investigation courses. But you look at some of the other agencies that are out there. Um, we were just in New York. New York has implemented legislation on on how to run confidential informants. So we, we focused on informant management out there in New York. So we have different, just different disciplines, but it all depends on that unique needs of the agencies. We've done quite a bit of work in uh, the state of Illinois outside of Chicago with our police and minority relations course, because that is a, a topic that we created back in 2015. And it's something that many agencies are now seeking after the police and minority relations and the tactical de-escalation training courses. So it really is all about the specific needs of that agency or specific state mandates that come down and say, hey, officers need more training in this particular area. And so, you know, we go and provide that training. That's great, Byron. And you have different trainers with different expertises. I love it so much. Let's talk about police officers from the layman's standpoint. So, Let's talk about, I'm walking down the street right now here. I'm in San Francisco on assignment and I'm walking down the street and I see a police officer, you know, maybe standing outside 
standing outside a, a retail establishment now because the retail establishments in in San Francisco they're hiring police officers to make sure that people don't you know run out with a bundle of their goods, which is just a crazy situation. But oftentimes I walk by my wife and I, you know, maybe we make eye contact, Byron, and you know I say to the police officer, hey, just want you to know that we support you guys and you guys are doing great work. How important is are those types of comments from people like me and others just walking by a police officer and telling them, hey, we support you and you know we appreciate you guys. I, I do believe that is important in, in any community. And I think that, you know, a lot of times you hear about police officers out there protecting the community, but there's a second component of that. We serve and we provide those services to the community and, you know, letting an officer know, taking a few seconds out of your data, just tell them you appreciate them, especially with the uh, current state of law enforcement right now with all the challenges that we have. I do believe that that does have an uh, impact. I wear my my, my police logo, I wear my PLET uh, shirts on airplanes. And it is nice when people come on and say, thank you, you know, I support law enforcement. So that is a good feeling that there are so many people out there that, that continue to support law enforcement, even in these challenging times. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's so great. And, you know, you go on an airplane, you're proud to wear your lapel pin and your shirt with your logo. And of course, people come up and First of all, they're probably very happy you're on the plane with them. And number two, of course, they're going to say, hey, you know, we really appreciate you. Uh, maybe Sabrina's with you and they appreciate her as well. When you travel, when you travel, Byron, and you go into different cities, does each city have a very unique need in terms of their law enforcement? Or is it pretty much universal throughout the country? Or is it specific to each city what they really need right now? I think right now it's very specific to each city uh, and, and you can expand on that by saying each state because there are so many different mandates that are coming down that just impact the, the different states across across the country. So I think, you know, it, there is definitely the state mandates, but each city is so unique in the areas where they where they really need help. You know, we talked about Chicago, but I, we go to Ohio quite a bit and they are overrun with overdose deaths. So we'll send our team in to do the overdose death investigations training courses. So, you know, whatever unique problem that uh, community is having, you know, we are there to try to try to address uh, that that particular problem. And then I really like the the agencies that are, are being really proactive at implementing things that aren't necessarily mandates, but they they see there's maybe a better way to go about uh, policing. And so they, they, they bring in our de-escalation training course and things like that. So definitely think that, you know, each city is unique, but, um, you know, we, we see it all for sure. That's interesting. You mentioned about the de-escalating. I'm sure that's a, a course that all the police uh, agencies throughout the country are very interested in having now and bringing PLET in to, to do that work. Byron, let me ask you this question because I was thinking about it. You know, I was I was talking to this police officer outside this retail establishment uh, just briefly. I didn't want to disturb him, but I was thinking to myself, how do these police officers stay up to date with all the laws? It seems like there's like a new law being passed every day in every city. How does that? How do they bring that in, and how does that training happen for police officers to know what's happening? So a lot of times, uh, police departments. Uh, we found can be a little late on pushing out the latest legal updates. So what I recommend and what officers do, thousands of officers across the country, is they they take it upon themselves to, to really try and stay up to date with all of the different changes. So there are 
uh, law enforcement websites you can subscribe to that will push out new updates with monthly case law. Uh, we recommend you know officers you know stay up to date that way. Uh, we do teach advanced search and seizure courses, so we'll we'll study a state, we'll look at the changes within that state, we will adjust our curriculum and go and provide the the legal updates in that manner. Uh, there are, there are um, you know other agencies out there that they do a really good job when when changes are made in their area, they will push out those changes through the internal email systems or through special general orders or standard operating procedure updates. So there are ways that officers can stay up to date, but I really encourage and recommend officers really take the bull by the horn and 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 not rely exclusively on that agency to stay up to date because there's so many changes that come out so quickly and, and you really want to know how the uh, current laws are going to impact your ability to police in the areas that you serve. I love it, Byron. Of course, your company, Plett, you're known for your trainers. I mean, you've got a group of trainers that are top-notch, the best in the business. They're able to communicate in a positive, effective way. They get the, the, the mission across. They get the, the information across. They get the, the uh, curriculum across to the police agencies. When you're hiring someone to come on board, and again, you're known for this great team, what do you look for for a teammate to come on board, one of your trainers? What's the most important thing, Byron? I think you have to look for the experience of that particular officer, uh, regardless of, of what type of uh, classes they want to they want to put in. What is their true experience? And not only do they have to have experience and knowledge, they have to be able to communicate effectively that experience and knowledge in a manner where other officers can get value from attending those classes. So it's one thing to have that experience, but but to take that experience and put that into a curriculum to create a lesson plan to where officers are going to have valuable takeaways from that training uh, and, and not officers up there just, you know, communicating story after story, really, really being able to have teaching value, something that my director of training, Joe Panulo, definitely looks for when he does the interviews. I love it, Byron. Generally speaking, what areas are the most in need areas? In other words, are there one or two or three areas where the police departments throughout the country are reaching out to you at Platt and they're saying, Byron, you know, we've heard about you. We need to get your trainers out in, you know, to train us on X, Y, or Z. Are there some major run to daylight areas that they're all thirsting for knowledge for? So I think without a doubt, I, I would just have to say there's a combination of three different course groupings. So you have your narcotic and gangs, which tends to be number one because the violent crime across the United States is spiking at levels that we haven't seen in decades in almost every major city out there. So the, the narcotic enforcement, the gang enforcement always goes hand in hand. And that's one area, particularly in the, in the larger cities where you have the inner cities and some of the poverty stricken areas there. So that's definitely one uh, group of, of courses that's highly requested. Then we also get quite a few requests for our police and minority relations and our tactical de-escalation uh, course grouping. So those are typically taught back to back. And it's, it's you know, all about trying to figure out better ways to effectively communicate in those mi minority communities that police officers serve. So we, we, we've been pushing that class out since 2015, and it's one that is, is heavily requested. Then the third one is the overdose death investigations. I think those three different areas are where we are seeing the most, uh, most courses being requested at, for sure. 
That's very interesting, Byron. You know, you, you mentioned the minority communities and certainly policing is, you know, it's, it's so important in those communities because people want to be safe. People want to be able to walk outside their doors. They, they really need the feeling to be safe so that they can be active and positive, you know, participants in, in our, in their community and our community and society at large. So when we look at, um, all cities, not just inner cities, but all cities. And we look at the fact that they're, like you mentioned, many of them are becoming more unsafe by the day. What is it that you think about in terms of policing that needs to happen to make those communities more safe so that the people in the, every community can go out and be an active member of the community? I really believe that first and foremost, we serve the community. And as providing that service, we rely on information from the community. And so when that community is, is providing law enforcement the true nature of the problems in those communities, where those active drug houses are, where the, where the gang members are hanging out at, that allows us to better allocate our resources to very strategically and proactively target those specific areas. And so I think getting that information from the community Building that trust will allow communities to provide that information. Uh, many of those individuals remain anonymous, but it also allows us to attack the specific problem without that community feeling like they are being over-policed. That's something we often hear uh, from community members. They don't want to feel over-policed, but at the same time, they, they want to feel safe. And so there's a way to go about balancing both of those by being very strategic and targeted to the areas that the community is complaining about. Byron, that's so interesting you mentioned that. You know, I was born and raised in Detroit. I lived in New York. I lived in South Florida. You know, I, I, I currently, you know, keep a place in Phoenix and here in San Francisco. And I always think of police officers, men and women that wear the uniform, kind of like as kind of like tough guys and gals. But I would imagine throughout their career, Many of them have a situation where after the situation occurs, I don't know if it's daily or monthly or yearly or, you know, maybe once in their career or many times in their career, they have a little, you know, traumatic stress after a situation. And I would imagine that giving these police officers some type of buffer after they have an experience that could cause them some, you know, psychological challenge is very important. Do we have that connected into the police uh, departments throughout the country? No, I think we're doing a much better job now at trying to implement officer wellness into uh, training training programs. For, for me, being a Dallas police officer starting in 1996, we were, we were basically just taught to suppress it. it. It's normal. You're going to see shootings. You're going to see death. And, and it's just part of the job. And, and you know, if you've got to rescue a, a three-year-old that's drowned in a, out of a pool and that you provide CPR and the, the baby doesn't make it, you just suppress it and move on to the next call. And what happens is later on, all of those memories start to start to come back. You start to relive some of those traumatic experiences. And, you know, I think one of the best quotes that I ever saw in regards to, to, to mental health and officer wellness was something that Sigmund Freud said, you know, centuries ago. And that was unexpressed emotions over time often resurface in uglier ways. And so not dealing with that trauma uh, is one of the reasons I think you see the suicide rate so high for police officers. And so 
one of the things our organization we're looking at is we've implemented stress management for policing, and now we're in the process of developing um, officer wellness type curriculums because it is such a um, you do experience such traumatic traumatic incidents, and your eyes can never unsee the the trauma and the carnage that you see during the course of a career. Well, wow, that's so interesting and fascinating, and certainly uh, hearing that the police departments are doing a better job at that certainly is encouraging. And I know that it's all about serving, like you mentioned, and I love that so much because that's really where it all starts. It's serving the community, serving the people uh, that you serve. So Byron, you know, you've got a remarkable entrepreneurial story. I want to turn this conversation into entrepreneurship a little bit. We've we spoke about Plet. We spoke about this great, great team that you've been able to develop of trainers that go throughout the country. Everybody's reaching out to you. All these police departments want Plet to come in there to do various trainings in different areas that they need based on whether it's the police department, their regional needs or their state needs or federal needs, if you will. But let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, uh, Byron, because, you know, here you are, you, you, you did 20 years, you, you, you retired, you started with one course. You started saying, hey, you know, I know one thing, I can go out and give a course. And one thing led to another. And you and your wife, here you are with, you know, multiple uh, teachers and this great, great uh, uh, name that you've built for yourself and everybody trying to, you know, get a hold of Plet to come out to their department. So let's talk about entrepreneurship because Along the way, there must have been some roadblocks. Along the way, there must have been some potholes in the road or some areas that you weren't so sure of, but you came through them. And for the younger entrepreneurs, Byron, watching the show, maybe you can give some inspiration or some thoughts or some ideas about what they can do to get through the potholes in the road like you've been able to get through to build this amazing business. You know, I, I think running into roadblocks early on, uh, for me, I could not find anyone to host my training courses. No one had heard of, of, of PLET. Uh, no one wanted to give us a chance. Very few agencies did. So one of the things that I looked into is I actually started renting hotel rooms. And what I found out or conference rooms at hotel facilities. And what I found out, those are very inexpensive if you have your own projector and you don't buy coffee. And so I would rent a conference room at a, at a, at a hotel room. And I would have, I didn't have a, I didn't have a marketing staff. So my mom would actually fax advertisements to the local police departments in that area. So I would just go in cold, hoping to uh, generate enough interest to where I could break even. So for me, it wasn't about generating a revenue because I was still an active Dallas police officer. My wife was still a police officer. So it wasn't the revenue aspect. It was, can I break even and make a name for myself? And so by doing that, uh, slowly but surely, we, um, you know, we were able to, to move away from the hotels because the individual officers thought so highly of the training that they went back and told their training coordinators. And that led to, uh, that led to definite uh, you know, relationships that we have, we have continued since about 2010. So that was the first thing. And then I think the second thing was the pricing structure. So I always laugh when I think about the pricing, uh, pricing structure, because I think we grew to the level that we're at based on a mistake made by my mom. And I, I, I love it because at the time 
I came up with an equation that if we could get 10 officers in a class at this amount, we, that would be the break-even point. So I was after the 10 officers to break even with a higher, a higher fee. Well, we have one-day training classes, two-day training classes, three-day training classes. So we had a class in Albuquerque, New Mexico at a hotel. And my mom, when she created the flyer, she forgot to update the two-day price on the flyer. So she had a flyer with a two-day course with a one-day rate. Instead of getting 10, we had about 60. And so the, the mistake in trying to overprice my business and reducing that to more competitive, it brought in you know, 50 more officers than I was anticipating. And so my mom always takes credit for that, uh, for that little mishap, but uh, it was one that certainly panned out and it completely changed the trajectory of our business. And, and what I mean by that is I stopped trying to price based on what other companies were doing. I found that what our market value was, and I wanted to stay within our market value, regardless of what other companies said the market value should be. So I ignored that and went with my mom's mistake. And we grew to, like I said, a level that is just unimaginable for me. And my wife. Byron, that's a great story. That's one of the best stories I've heard on entrepreneurship. For entrepreneurs watching the show, rewind what Byron just said. I mean, it's really remarkable. Here he is, you know, he's 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 finishing up his career. He had his mother faxing police departments. He started in hotel, you know, conference rooms or hotel, you know, little gathering rooms, and a mistake by his mom and 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 uh you know, Mrs. Boston, great job on making the mistake because uh, Byron was able to discover the pricing, the right pricing. He was overpricing. And because of this mistake, he understood that he wanted to get more people involved at, at a lower cost because overall that would bring him much more income and be able to build his gross revenue at a much higher level. So that's an incredible entrepreneurial story. You know, Byron, we always talk about it. People go to Harvard and they get uh, their Harvard MBA and they're in the classroom and the the professors are telling stories and they're doing case studies uh, about different stories. But those people at getting the MBA, they're not, they're not actively in business. They don't have their feet on the ground. They're not really learning in the real world. They're learning in sort of a classroom environment. But here you are, you learned with your feet on the ground from Jumpstart. You read a great book that got you totally motivated. You and your wife collectively built this business at the beginning, and here you are down the road, and everybody needs plat training, especially you know those law enforcement agencies that require some certain specialty. You know, Byron, this is a great story. I would really like to bring you back on the show again and talk about entrepreneurship because I'm telling you this: what you just shared with me about the pricing and making the mistake, and your mom with the faxes—that's that's a book. I mean, that's a book that all entrepreneurs really need to read. I'm sure you're probably writing more books on, you know, police training and police law enforcement training, but you should also write one on entrepreneurship. Byron, before we go, I wanted to ask you one last question because I've been thinking about it. And, you know, when, when you start with the humble beginnings that you have started with, and then now here you are in an organization that continues to grow and continues to build. And I'm sure you're thinking about 10x growth here in the future, not just 2x growth. What gets Byron Boston going? What's the thing that you wake up in the morning 
and you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to put my feet down on the ground and get this thing running because this is the thing that gets me going. This is the thing that motivates me. This is the thing that really gets me energized. That's easy. That is the course evaluations from the attendees that sign up for our training classes that pay a fee and the vast majority, 99.9% are excellent regardless of who that instructor is. So knowing that we are providing that value to so many officers across the country and we continue to get that value, I I, I try to uh, just come up with ways to continue to grow uh, the business and based on the feedback from those officers, that is what what motivates me. And so I'm already looking at the next phase of, uh, of growth for us. So definitely it's the it's the evaluations. It's the officers that are gaining so much knowledge and then applying that knowledge back in their communities. And then those officers take a, a few moments and send an email to that instructor. Hey, what you told me kept me alive when this guy pulled a gun on me. What you told me helped rescue that 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 thirteen year old kid that was kidnapped by by tracking a cell phone. So those are the stories that 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 motivate us as an organization. And man, it's a it's a it's a good and rewarding feeling knowing that we played a part in the development and growth of those police officers that are still out there continuing to serve. Wow, Byron, I can totally see that getting up in the morning and knowing that because of your training, maybe somebody's alive, maybe a child is home safely, maybe you know, someone was able to, you know, um, solve a crime, if, you know, working with detectives and things like that, you know, it's very, very fascinating. Byron, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today. You know, what you're doing at Plett is remarkable. Your entrepreneurial journey is remarkable. And for the entrepreneurs watching the show, please rewind again what Byron just said. I want to get into that just a minute for just a moment, because he's talking about a customer feedback loop. That's what that is. And we talk about that all the time. When your customers are able to give you feedback based on your service or offering, that's the thing really that motivates Byron and his team to get up every morning because they're getting the feedback back. They want the feedback from the officers that take the courses. They want the feedback from the sergeants and everybody else that's in the higher level versus just the guys that are, you know, on the street and the detectives doing all the work. They want all that feedback back so they can continue to improve. And as an entrepreneur, as Byron has proven throughout the years, it's all about constant and never ending improvement. Byron, This has been an amazing show. I'm definitely going to have you back on again. I know you're so busy, and I wanted to thank you for cutting some time out today to talk about Platt, talk about the importance of what officers and law enforcement are able to do for our communities by serving those communities. It's a beautiful, powerful message. Byron, thanks so much for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you for having me, and good luck to you. 